I want to talk to you today about togetherness, togetherness. And I, I, I appreciated uh, what Rebecca said about it's hard to do the one another's all by yourself. You need to be in community. So here's a song that came rattling back from the dark ages in my mind. The, the, the first line of which is the only line that I can remember. And so uh, <clears throat> see if any of you are old enough to pinpoint where this song came from. So here's a song. Let's get together, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right there, Parent Trap. And that was, uh, I remember Haley Mills, I guess I was the original Parent Trap person, uh, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that was the song. Let's get together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, 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 whatever the rest of that song was. Okay. Now, that's as much as I'm going to sing for you this morning, I think, unless something else strange comes to mind. But, but here's the concept. Together. Together. So what I want to do today is look at the concept of togetherness. Uh, it's possible for people to come into church, um, and it really is not a function of size. Because uh, even larger churches can do this. It's possible for someone to come into church, say hello to people, leave the church, and never see them again until the following Sunday. And not really feel all that badly about it. Because of a lot of things that go on. Maybe they just that's all they want out of church. They don't want to be involved. They don't want to be interfered with. They certainly don't want to have somebody getting too meddling into their world. And so maybe they're content with, with that. And they try to live <clears throat> almost uh, almost this Christian life all by themselves. But you can't do that. You can't do it. It's not possible. Um, I suppose, you know, John on the island of Patmos, you know, I, I don't know if he had anybody else with him or not, but he was in exile there. He certainly had the Spirit of God with him, So, but, but, but whether he had anybody else or there were any other prisoners, I have no idea. But the point, <clears throat> point is it's difficult to do Christianity without community. And particularly in this portion of Scripture we're going to come to in Acts 2, it's, it, just, it just becomes so very obvious. So I want to talk a little bit about this whole issue of togetherness in process. So Acts chapter 2. Verse 42 is where we're going to start. <clears throat> they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. <clears throat> 
the end of April, I spoke on this passage. And I think I, the message title was uh, Authentic Christian Community, if I recall. And uh, in our day, we need to have uh, the authenticity of the church in operation, the real deal. Um, we, we don't have time for playing church. We, we don't have time for that. Life is too short. The Lord is coming, and we've got to get as many people on board as we can and process as we impact and influence people around us. Whatever it is, that oikos, that group, that network of people that you have um, to influence and impact for the message of the gospel. I said at that point in time <clears throat> that it was a crucial piece of understanding about the nature of the church. That is true back in April. It was true before then. It is equally as true right now as well, here at the end of August, five months Four months, four months ahead uh, from where we were. But this morning, I'd like to look at two, two pieces, essentially. I want to look at the experiences they had, and I want to look at the results of what happened when this group of people were experiencing these kinds of things together. So, so let's, take a, let's take a look. Verse 42 is, if, if there is any word, uh, any verse that describes the heart of the church, it's Acts 2.42. In terms of that togetherness, and what was what was going on in that in that togetherness? So I want you to note first of all the, the experiences, the crucial experiences that they had. They devoted themselves, and it here lists out four areas, <clears throat> and they may they may all each one deserves adequate attention, but just as a broad brush view, here are the things that they included in terms of their being together and what they gave themselves to. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. So let's look look at some of those things uh, this morning. First, first is this, that they learned together. They learned together. Um, <clears throat> in our day, education can take place in a number of forms. You can do online courses, obviously, where you can do your self-study kind of thing for the credits you're trying to get. Um, it's entirely dependent on how much your, response, your responsibility matches up with what the, the, the content is. If your goal is to just kind of check things off and pass a little quiz here and there, or if you're looking at trying to master the content, it's a whole different story. But you can do that online, but there is always the benefit of doing something like that in a community, in a group, because you get the interaction with other people. You get to hear what their understanding of that is. You get to hear what their story is all about. They learned together, and the focus was the apostles' teaching. Now, keep in mind, we're studying the book of Acts. This is before they had their New Testament, all written and codified, uh, so they didn't have a textbook apart from the Old Testament, that's still part of the book, and that which was emerging in terms of New Testament. Now, we haven't even gotten to Paul yet, and he's the one that's responsible for a lot of other books in the Bible. So essentially what you have is Old Testament and what? Teachings of Jesus, yeah, the, the story. And a lot of that comes through oral Tradition. Do you remember when he took us on the mount and he began to teach us? Remember when he sat us down 
Remember when, when we were sitting with him and, and uh, he told his disciples to feed the gang of people, that 5,000 people. Remember what happened that day? So you would have that kind of content that would be part of the apostles' teaching. But it was something that, they, and here's the language, here's the verb, the main verb there, they devoted themselves. They gave themselves. It was not a nominal kind of thing. It was something they were all into in process. They learned together. And in that learning process, you're required to uh, master some kind of content. I haven't asked the question yet, but yesterday, <clears throat> the grandson uh, next door to me, lives next door, was to have taken a hunter safety course in order to be qualified to go out and tote a 30-06 at age whatever. It's kind of scary. I know you can go out at 12. Uh, I think he's 15. I think he just turned 15. Um, that doesn't sound right. But anyway, whatever. But he's over 12. Um, and I haven't found out how he did. I thought, can you fail a hunter safety course? You know, I, I know there was, I remember that you had, to, you had to give some answers to questions and that kind of thing. But I would hope that they would pay enough attention, and I'm sure you would, uh, to be able to successfully pass that course in process. Um, he needed to master some content to be aware of things in terms of the responsibility opportunity to hunt. They learned the apostles' teaching. There was stuff that they were beginning to master they learned that in community, doing that together. And that's a, that's a key piece. Um, when, when we gather together, we have the Christ in you connecting with the Christ in me. And he uses all that I am and all that you are to kind of help us fully understand more of him. And that's a, that's a key piece. The thing that I love about this particular portion of Scripture was, is pointed out in verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Now, my observation is that there the unusual became usual. The unusual became usual. When is the last time you went to church and saw something miraculous? a sign or a wonder? When is the last time you went to a church and were filled with awe, a sense of respect or holiness or the otherness of God and just kind of, wow. It, it, it doesn't always happen, but boy, I tell you, when, when you start focusing on things together, it increases the chances of that happening. And God can be Begin to show up more and more in the midst of his people. They learned together. That was one of their experiences. They shared together, and that was the fellowship. There, it, it, and the, and the, the word that there's a, a wonderful Greek word that sometimes people throw around like they know what it means, and it's called koinonia. Koinonia it has nothing to do with coins in your pocket. It's simply a word that literally means association. Connectedness, togetherness, and so that's the word that he uses there. They were not only they not only learned together, but they shared together in the fellowship. There was 
a spirit of generosity. Move down to verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together. There's our word again. All they were all together and had everything in common. That doesn't mean that they weren't they weren't different. It means that there was some sense of community about them, that they were willing to just be very much concerned about the one another's, even though they didn't have the one another's, other than what Jesus would have taught them. Uh, but they, they were concerned about other people in process, and they had some things in common. They had Jesus, and that was the thing that kept them in common as well. And selling all their possessions, or selling their possessions, verse 45, and their goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. I remember early on, someone pointed out this verse to me and said, this is a form of Christian communism. I thought, hmm, communism. Well, I suppose it could be. It certainly is not atheistic communism, which would be another brand. But it is a sense in which there is a sense of communal sharing. The Jewish, is, the Jewish people have these things called kibbutzes. They're, 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 they're colonies. They're, they're clusters of, of people together in relationship and association. And so they, they, they hang with one another. They, they give attention to one another. They care for one another. There are other organizations that can do a, a similar kind of thing. But they share together that spirit of generosity. So... One of the marks of the church of Jesus Christ is that they are comprised of people who are other-centered and they are willing to give of themselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was talking with someone this week, and they were talking about some people that were attending a church. And they, they made their rounds among the churches. And they were essentially... Spiritual panhandlers, I guess you'd have to say that. So they would be at one church for a while, and they would share their sor sorrowful story and get some help and get some financial resource. And then when the well was dry there, when they had sucked all the nectar out of that honeypot, maybe that might not be the best descriptor, but anyway, but, well, then they moved to the next one, and they moved around, and they moved around. And uh, this person I was talking with said, Eventually, they burned all the bridges in the community because it became known that they weren't in it to share. They were in to give. or They weren't in it to give. They were in it to, to receive in the process. So they were always on the receiving end of that. When we talk about a spirit of generosity, it's the, it's the one that says, I see a need. What can we do to help this? Or I see a need. What can I do to help that? Um, and I, I understand that there's always need. <laughs> there's always need. Jesus says, the poor you will have with you always. And that's the reality of things. So there is the place for Christian charity, Christian generosity. But to do that in a way that doesn't enable people. There's a book that was written to deal with this whole issue of benevolence ministry. It's called When Helping Hurts. When Helping Hurts. Whenever you do something for somebody else that they could do for themselves, you make of them an emotional cripple. That's a Howard Hendricks line from long ago. You make of them emotionally dependent people. And so you need to help people, but you need to help them learn to help themselves in process. Very practical. 
But that's a spirit of generosity. He says, I'm willing to help. I'm willing to do whatever I can to assist. Within the things that God prompts me, I'm, oh, sure, I'd love to have a million dollars to help people to get, get into a better house or get into a reliable vehicle or, or get out of debt or something like that. But, but pouring money at a problem isn't the solution. But having a generous heart is an important piece of the togetherness of God's people, and they shared together. When is the last time that you shared something with someone? This is garden gardening season. Uh, when's the last time maybe you don't garden? Okay, so maybe you do something else. But but if if you if you have a garden and you grow stuff, more often than not, you you got tomatoes coming out your ears after a while, or cucumbers coming out your ears after a while, and you you just want to say, is there something I can do to share with you? You know, I've got all these, I've got this, that, and the other. So you share, you share with someone. They shared together. Uh, the next one I think is, I love this one, is they ate together. Hey, how about that? Now, I, I grew up, uh, well, I'll open this kettle of worms here for a while. Um, there was a point in time where in some churches they would not have a fellowship hall in the church because they felt that that was inappropriate. Now, I'm not here to cast dispersion on such stupidity. Well, I guess I don't know. But, you know, I don't want to make fun at that point. But some people felt, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, don't you have homes to eat in? And they take that verse and they'd say, well, we shouldn't have a place to eat in the church. They would get around that by building a place with a kitchen next door to the church, sometimes with a little connector. It wasn't fully enclosed. Because if you fully enclosed it, then you included it in the church. And so anyway, they try to work their way around. It's, it's, it's part of the craziness of sometimes what, what we sometimes do. I think that's loosened up a little bit now. But here they ate together. And it's not, it's not, just, it's not just eating in church. It was more than that. It was, and the language of the scripture when they ate together is they, they broke bread together. Now, I told you I wasn't going to sing again, but there's another song that comes to mind. Do you know what it is? Let us break bread together on our knees. There are things that you find out about other people when you eat together. You find out if they have, and you don't do this, right? You find out if they have any manners. If, we we have a friend uh, at the church in New Cumberland uh, that we were in for several years who would at times, oftentimes, uh, invite Barb out for lunch. And the the hoot of the thing is, is adequately resourced person, she would forget her wallet. And so we'd go out to lunch, or she would go out to lunch, and Barb would pay for the meal because the person forgot their wallet. Well, we thought, well, that's kind of silly. Uh, but it happened again. It happened more than a few times over the course of the years. But we know that, you know, that it just she was just a forgetful person on some of those pieces like that. But if you, when you eat a meal together with someone, you get a little bit better understanding of who they are and what they're about, what's important to them, what 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 gets their blood going, what gets their jets revving, and, and, and you want to do that just because because you connect together. That's why I think. 
after church, fellowship meals are really cool when you get a chance to connect together. But verse 46 on this passage also says, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. So I, I don't think we're restricting it in terms of the church, but I, I think there's always just a real benefit of togetherness when we eat together. So be open to being hospitable. Be open to uh, inviting someone in for something as simple as coffee and donut holes or whatever it may be for you uh, to just get connect, connect. Because sometimes people will open their hearts to your open heart in that setting that they will not do in church, in the gathering of the people together. Sometimes it just gives you a good opportunity. And I love it that that was one of the things that was a part of their church experience. They ate together in the breaking of bread. They also said they devoted themselves to prayer. And uh, sometimes people eat more than they pray. And I, I'm sure this whole thing needs to be in balance but we've said time and time again that uh, prayer is the primary work of the people of God. And I know that's to be true for us personally, but I think it needs to have the, the bigger spot corporately as well. However you, however you are able to do that, it may be, it may be on a Wednesday night. Maybe it, it, whatever you work with, maybe that, maybe that becomes difficult for a church to do because of you know, the circles don't intersect very much or people are all over the place. But you've got to find a place where the people of God can together connect in terms of prayer. You pray with and for one another. Um, I had an experience, it was just a precious experience for, for Barb and I this past week. One of our family members has been concerned about their son and was calling, inviting people to gather together for prayer on a particular night. And just from this, from 7 to 8 o'clock, I would appreciate if you could just pray. If you can't come to my house, then then uh, pray, with, pray with us while we're praying there or that kind of thing. So uh, as it turns out, uh, our one daughter, one daughter lives next door. And so we got together that night at that particular time. And it was a precious experience to be able to pray on behalf of a family member, a grandson, with two of our children and us praying together and to hear their hearts it, it, it was it, it was a part of together. That was part of community, and that was a part of the experience of the early church. So when they gathered together, they gave themselves, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were involved in those experiences. What happened? What happened when they were involved with those experiences leads to the results, and that's the next piece that I want to look at. I want you to see the results when the church practices the togetherness of Acts 2.42. There's joy within them, 
Verse 46, they broke, in their, broke together, broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Praising God. There was great joy in their hearts because of their experience. There's nothing that brings joy to the heart of people when they get connected together and discover the Christ in me, reaching out to the Christ in you, and it energizes something, and we begin to focus upon our praise that comes to the Father. We offer our praise to God. There was joy that occurs within their hearts. Not only was it internal, but it's external as well. There is favor on the outside. Verse 47, the first part of it says, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I want to tell you that when God's people get connected together, it shows it has an impact. People can see the difference that makes when, when Christ followers connect together and they draw from each other and it changes them and they, they gather or they gain the respect of people on the outside. Not because they're religious do-gooders, not because they're goody-two-shoe people, but because they're discovering the reality of Christ in their life and it makes a difference. There will be an increased compassion. There will be an increased generosity. There will be an increased concern for the welfare of people outside and always with a heart to try to invite them in and bring them closer. People who are far away from God being brought closer. There is favor without. There's the testimony that comes. And then also there's, a, there's natural growth that occurs and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Uh, when the church begins to get its job right, there will occur natural church growth. There's a, uh, uh, a resource tool that's available uh, that's done by a fellow by the name of Christian Schwartz. And he's written this book called Natural Church Development. It talks about eight quality characteristics of what makes a healthy church. And uh, I, I, I believe there's value in that particular approach. I find, the, I find the resource of that very helpful as areas for any church to explore. I would normally do that in a transitional ministry to help churches understand those quality characteristics about leadership. For instance, there's one about prayer is another one, but whatever those quality, those quality characteristics are. But it grows naturally when we begin to address the issues in that, that are part of that growth. When we begin to address them, then growth occurs. Growth occurs. And when the church begins to get its job right in terms of the experiences, and they experience the joy and the favor, they also experience naturally the growth. Christian Schwartz will say this Put it this way, he'll say you can't help but grow when you begin to get your work done right. It just, it just becomes natural. You put stuff in the ground in the springtime and you hope and pray that it grows. Now, I don't, I don't remember being out there just kind of cheering for those little plants to come up out of the ground. I don't remember worrying about my beets. I don't remember worrying about the tomato plants, although I did fence them in. Because they got squirrels that eat my tomatoes. I, they're nutsy squirrels. But, uh, but be that as it may, they, they, it, it's a part of the process. It just grows naturally when, you, when, you're doing, when you're paying all the attention to it that you need to have. 
to, to let it just do its own thing. There's natural growth. Okay, so we talked about four experiences and three results. Now what do we do with it? So here's a couple suggestions. So pay attention as we wrap this up. Discover the joy that comes when you make a personal commitment to walk together. Personal commitment to walk together. You are here today uh, as a part of City Light Congregation, and perhaps you're, you're pretty well all in. Perhaps you're committed at this point. You're, 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 you're giving to the life of the church. You're giving to the financial picture of the church. You're interested in people. That's good. But if, if, if people are on the fence, maybe there are people who aren't here today. They're just kind of on the fence. You know, they've been here in a bit, and they're beginning to wonder, do those people know that I missed? Do they care that I missed? Do, you know, what, what, what goes on in their heart and mind? I want you to discover the joy that comes when you make a personal commitment to walk together. And for many of you, this is preaching to the choir. I understand that. But thank you for the commitment that you have made. May God give you that joy as you choose to continue in that path. I also want to encourage you to cultivate an atmosphere of love as you walk together. One of the things that will destroy a church quicker than anything is a lack of love. And, and the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. It's indifference, where you really don't care. It's just you hate. You just you don't care. And if one of the things that's going to be characteristic of the health of a church is its love and its cultivation of that, then let that be the atmosphere that you cultivate. A love for God, a love for his people, a love for those who are outside. When we came in this morning, uh, quarter to ten, we got here, uh, went by the stadium down here. Something going on down there. I don't know what they're doing. Probably some athletic event or something like that. But I thought, hmm, wonder, wonder if there's a way in which bridges could be built to some event like that in the area or, or whatever it may be. But there's, it, it's, it's cultivation of an atmosphere as you walk together in the journey and atmosphere of love. And then one final piece, and that's this. Remember that you are going to be part of the church forever. Forever. Now, you know, you, you could move from one congregation to another congregation, but you know, some of these people that you're here with today, you're going to see in heaven. You may not be with him all the time. You know, our uh, daughter and son-in-law and family are in visiting, you know, and they probably won't, they're not, not part of these busy with another congregation. But, but you know, you're going to encounter him sometime down the road. I remember you were part of that gang and you were part of that church. And, and so there's that connectedness there that's there where we do that together and remember that you're part of the bigger picture of the whole scheme of things and you're going to be part of the forever family of God. Now, Acts 2, 42 to 47 is a key component in terms of the heart of what the church is to be about. The experiences, those four things that they gave themselves, to, devoted themselves to, they didn't play with and toy. They gave themselves to. They were all in, and then the resultant experiences, not only but but the things, the results that came as a result of it. Now, what do we do with this? Well, 
This was how the church was operating. In the context of that, next week we're going to see what can happen when a church gets its act together. What can happen when the people of God, whether it's leadership or followership, what can happen when they begin to explore uh, what God has for them to do in terms of task and mission. And we're going to come to a passage in Acts 3 that talks about what, what, what two men available to God saw happen. I want to give you a heads up that next week I'm going to sing a song. And it goes along with Acts chapter 3. And so you don't want to miss it next week because it's got motions to it as well. And guess what we're going to do next week? We're going to be part of the motions. So uh, it'll be one of those experiences you don't want to bring any friends to at all. No, no, I was just joking at that point. Uh, but uh, here we are. So this is the heart of living together, togetherness. Let's get together. Let's allow God to weld and melt our hearts together before him. We join me as we pause for prayer. I can't make anything happen here today, Father. Your spirit is the only one who can. Your spirit is the only one who can convince us of our essential need of being together, of being involved in the lives of other people, of caring in, in, in a multitude of ways, of cultivating that atmosphere of love that just there's this natural concern for people. So help us to embrace togetherness today. Help us devote ourselves, to devote ourselves to the tasks of your word that you lay out for us here. To, to take a look at our life and say, well, how does it mesh up? How does it mesh with this apostle's teaching and, and the fellowship and eating together and prayer? How, how does all of that work together in my life? And how does it build into the lives of others? So you be the one who prompts our heart to obey your word so that we're not just hearers only, but we are doers of the word. Well, thank you for what you'll do. We thank you for this day, all that it has held for us and all that it will hold yet throughout the day. Minister to us and through us. We've, we've entered to worship. Now we exit to serve. May we do that with joy. May we do that with love and compassion that uh, you generate within our hearts. Well, thank you for what you'll do. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You be sure you greet one another as you go and encourage one another in the togetherness of fellowship here. Bless you.